I'm going to start by asking you a question this morning. You know, what is something that you know is good for you, but perhaps you don't do as often as you ought? What is something that you know is good for you, but perhaps you don't as often as you ought? You know, what came for my, to mind uh, for me this week was just the, a, a picture popped up on my screensaver of a, of a picture of a beach where Michelle and I had sat down beside the water and just breathed deeply one day. And, and it seems like every time we sit beside a large body of water like a lake, we find ourselves looking at each other and say, we need to do this more often. Like, why don't we do this more often? This should be a main part of our lives because in that moment, we are able to breathe deeply. We are able to kind of let down and actually enjoy the moment in ways that we normally just don't in our day-to-day lives. Now, that's just one example of one thing that perhaps we, that I know is good for me that I don't engage in more frequently. Maybe as you were thinking about this this morning, as you were thinking about something that's good for you that, that you, you don't do as frequently as you ought, maybe a couple other thoughts came to mind. Maybe what came to mind for you has to do with taking care of your physical health. And you recognize, you know, I really should exercise more. Maybe I should eat better, which is a bad thought to have on Thanksgiving weekend, I know. But on Tuesday, you might think this way. Um, You know, we we know these things are good for us. But, and, and they really actually do make us feel better. But actually doing these things can be a struggle. We know. Or maybe what came to mind has to do with our mental or emotional health. Things like, we know that connecting with, with our family and our friends or sitting down with our counselor or our therapist from time to time is really good and they, they make us feel better about life and yet, at when the, and yet busyness creeps in and we don't engage these things and these people like we ought. Or maybe when I ask that question, what came to mind has to do with your spiritual well-being. And you know, you know, those moments when I sit down and I reflect on Jesus and I spend a couple moments in a prayer to start my day or those moments when I, when I engage in worship, those are life-giving moments and, and I just should do them more often. But you wouldn't be alone if the struggle to actually do that on a regular basis. You know, if you struggle with that, you wouldn't be alone. You know, we all have things in our lives that we know are good for us and that when we do them, they make us feel good and they are good for our well-being and that we just don't engage them as often as we should. Well, this morning we're going to talk about something else. It's Thanksgiving Sunday, so, you know, we're talking about thankfulness, right? Uh, This morning we want to talk about thankfulness as one of those practices that really is good for us. It's good for our well-being. It's good for, for our soul, but perhaps we don't do it as often as we should or we don't engage in Thanksgiving as often as we should. And to help guide us this morning, we're going to look at a moment when Jesus commends somebody for stopping what they were doing and making the point to come to Jesus to say, thank you. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 17 this morning, starting at verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going to a, to, into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no, one, has, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. 
Now, before we get to talking about thankfulness this morning, I want to highlight something about this passage uh, that might be important for some of us to hear this morning. See, in the way that Luke tells this story, we are reminded about God's love and compassion and how it includes those who are on the outside looking in. And we see this in how the hero of this story is the Samaritan leper. And the fact that he's a Samaritan and he has leprosy means that he's doubly an outsider, uh, doubly an outcast in the minds of many of the people who are listening to Jesus. See, leprosy was a bit of a catch-all term that referred to a whole variety of skin diseases, and many of which were contagious. And if you had leprosy, you were to leave your family, your friends, and live on the outskirts of society until you were healed, if you ever were healed. So literally, these people were on the outside looking in, living in isolation. Second, as a Samaritan, he was looked down upon by the Jewish people. The Samaritans were looked at, uh, looked at as people who were racially and spiritually inferior, and therefore they were on the outside of God's love and God's grace in the opinion of many. And so for these two reasons, this man is on the outside looking in. And so for some of us this morning, we might find ourselves identifying this, this man, with this man. Because for a variety of reasons, we might find ourselves feeling isolated, alone, maybe cast aside, maybe even rejected by God, feeling inferior for a whole variety of reasons. But the good news in this story is that this man, who who many, including himself, would have looked at as seen as being rejected or being on the outside, and for good reason, being on the outside, they would have thought, well, this person is the hero. And the person that Jesus points to and says, this is what faith looks like. And so this should give us hope to those of us who feel like we're on the outside looking in at times. Or feel like we've been rejected and we are unwanted. This should give us hope. And it should also challenge those of us who, who deal with the temptation to, to uh, fight with the temptation to judge others and to judge other people's value and worth as being less than our own. There should be a challenge there. But to get back to the theme of gratitude this morning, uh, let's just examine this story. The story begins with Jesus traveling in the border region between Galilee and Samaria. And in his travels, he finds himself outside of a village when he is approached by 10 lepers, 10 people who, have found, who are on the outskirts of society, but they found each other and they have approached Jesus. And the fact that they called out to Jesus tells us that then what they knew about Jesus, that they learned that he was approachable. That people like them could, in some way, approach Jesus. But they call it to Jesus from a distance, and in doing so, they are honoring the requirements of their day. The requirements to stay away from other people. And so they get as close as they could, and they ask Jesus to show pity on them. Now, as we read through the Gospels, we will notice that appeals like this are not uncommon. There's lots of times where people have come to Jesus, and they've asked for his compassion, and they've asked for his mercy, And here, this appeal for pity is a request that Jesus would consider healing them. And in Jesus' response, we see the compassion that he has for those in the margins. Because he tells them to go and to show themselves to the priests. And Luke tells us that as they went, that they found that they were healed. Now, it might seem kind of odd to us that Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest instead of, instead of saying, you know, you are healed. I mean, Jesus other times just says, you are healed and they are healed. But what Jesus is doing here is he's inviting these particular men to exercise some level of faith in this miracle. 
See, the local priest served as uh, the role as, as sort of like a, a public health worker of sorts. And it, it, to the degree that if somebody thought that they were healed, you know, that their reason for isolation was over, they had to go and show themselves to the priest before they could rejoin society. And you know what? You don't go to the priest unless you think that you've been healed. And so the text tells us that as they turn and they go uh, toward, they leave Jesus, that that's when they notice that they're healed. See, they had to take a step of faith, believing that Jesus was going to do what he said he was going to do. And in taking that step of faith, they experienced healing. Now, we have to appreciate what this would have meant for these people, these men, to have experienced this healing. It would have allowed them to return to normal life in ways that they hadn't been able to enjoy for who knows how long. You know, they were able to go home and hug their, fa- their wife and their kids. They were able to enjoy a meal with their family and friends. They were able to re-engage society uh, just like they used to. You know, these are things that they hadn't done in a long time. It's so it's a big deal. And we ought to think to ourselves, how would we have responded if that was us? You wouldn't be able to hug your kids for a while. What would you have done in that moment? You wouldn't be able to go and sit down and have a cup of coffee with a friend. What would you have done in that moment? I can tell you, I'd be heading straight home, and there's not much you could do to stop me. And that seems to be the response of nine out of the ten men who were healed that day. They rushed off to get cleared by the priest so they could go and they could re-engage with their lives. But this story reminds us that in our rush to enjoy good things, that we can sometimes miss out on something that is better. And this is where our hero stands out. See, one of these men recognizes that the good, the good things that has happened to him, he's turned and he recognizes, whoa, I no longer have this disease anymore. And he turns back and he throws himself down at Jesus' feet and he praises God and he thanks Jesus for this miracle of being healed. And the line that he was a Samaritan is, made, is meant to make the whole thing stand out as being that much more important, that we need to pay attention to this man. Because again, the Jews thought that they were spiritually superior to the Samaritans and much more faithful to God. But here, the person who acts with greater sensitivity and responsiveness to God is a Samaritan and not the others. It's the person that everybody assumed could not respond in faith or would not respond in faith. That's who responds in faith. Now, Jesus does not say that the other, you know, the other nine are any less cured, and there's no indication that he undoes the miracle, okay? Uh, But he does imply that they were less grateful. And there seems to be a connection between faith and gratitude that's being made here. Now, the Samaritan man's act of thankfulness Lends, leads him to experience some, something more that the others did not. See, he gets this personal, uh, personal interaction with Jesus, this personal experience with Jesus, where Jesus looks at him and he celebrates his faith. And again, just think for a moment of what it would be like to be him in that moment, for Jesus to look at us, to look at you, and to say, well done, you did it. It would have a deep impact on who we are and would give us such encouragement and joy and new energy just to keep going. But it wouldn't have happened if this man had rushed off like the others did. This moment happens because he stopped, he turned around, and he said, thank you. 
You know, often when we talk about thankfulness with our kids, when we're trying to teach thankfulness to children, it comes across as, um, you know, just trying to make sure that they're polite. And there's something to that, right? Like we want our kids, parents, we want our kids to grow up to be decent, civilized human beings who can handle themselves in a variety of situations. You want them to be equipped to meet the queen or the king, right? Although that's, you know, unrealistic. We just want them to be able to handle themselves and not be a mess. And sometimes that, that is how we talk about, you know, why should you say thank you? Why should I say thank you? Well, we want you to be polite. We don't want you to be rude. But when we talk about giving thanks like we are this morning, there's more to it than just being nice. Rather, the practice of thankfulness is, a good, is good for us and is a practice that we can say is transformative. Gratitude is transformational. It changes us. It's so much more than just being nice. It has a positive effect on who we are in so many ways and changes our relationships in so many good ways. And so this morning, we want to just focus on two ways that our our practicing gratitude and saying thank you to God can have a positive impact on who we are, can be good for us. The first is that the practice of thankfulness helps us to rediscover God as the source of equilibrium for our lives. And I'm going to start by telling a little story here about how I learned this, this this past week. A week ago Friday, beautiful day. I have my day off. I'm sitting at home with a cup of coffee, sitting on my deck. Sun's shining. I'd already done my list of chores. It, it, it would have seemed like it should be a perfectly relaxing moment. Kids are at school even. Like, it was just, it, was, it should be perfect. Except it wasn't. You see, in that moment, I couldn't quiet my mind of all the things that I had to do or should be doing. All the, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. What about this or that or that other thing? That sense of busyness, and and it was just kind of milling around in my mind in that perfect, what should have been a perfectly uh, relaxed week uh, moment. And then I started thinking about it, that that sense of busyness, that all the should-haves, I realized were getting tied to my, how I was understanding and feeling about myself. Suddenly all the should-haves, I should be doing this, I should have been doing that, were like, because you're not doing that, you're really not that good of a person, you know, you're really bad, you're, like, like you're, you're a waste of space. It's a little bit drastic, don't you think, for sitting down for a cup of coffee? I thought so too. <laughs> and as my worry grew, I, a thought came to mind that made me realize that my thinking wasn't right. And as I dug into it, I realized I'd lost my equilibrium. See, none of those things that I was worried about, all those things that are on my to-do list are wrong. I need to get to them at some point. They were okay. But in all the busyness and all the things I had to do, I started to give power, the power of my things that I was supposed to accomplish or the things I needed to accomplish, I started to give power to these things to shape my understanding of my value and worth. I'd given it power. And that was wrong. And in my mess of thinking, God had been pushed to the side, and in that moment, he had very little, if any, influence on how I was understanding myself. You know, sometimes life gets busy. We have things to do, we have people to see, we have to-do lists to manage, we have schoolwork to finish. You get it. We've got things to do. Busyness is a part of real life. And if we're not careful in our busyness, it is God that can get pushed aside, We don't set out for this to happen. We don't intend for this to happen, but it happens. And the result can be, it could be that just, our life feels like it's just out of sorts, like it's lost its sense of balance. But the practice of thankfulness can help us rediscover God as a source of balance and meaning. 
See, when we pause to say thank you to God, we are in essence being like the Samaritan man in our text today who acknowledged the greatness of God and the compassion of Jesus. And in this text, the rest of life gains an appropriate perspective because he stops and he's able to look at Jesus and express his thankfulness to Jesus and Jesus is able to speak into his life. When we stop what we're doing to give thanks to God, what we're doing is we're creating space to be reminded of God's love and his presence in our lives. And because gratitude can't be rushed, gratitude helps us slow down. It helps us step back and it helps us take notice of how God is with us and how he is for us. And not only that, but as we slow down and we say thank you, we are reminded that God is not to just be understood intellectually, because sometimes that's how we think about God, is we just need to know a lot of things about God. But as we slow down and we give thanks, we are reminded that, that we can experience and know God relationally. And that his presence and love in our lives is what gives our lives meaning and purpose. See, when we say thank you, we are making space to hear from God. The second point this morning is that the practice of thankfulness has a positive effect on our relationships with others. You know, sometimes I am surprised by the attitudes that I have towards other people. I mean, I can shock myself with how judgmental I can be, with how, uh, how I can harbor bitterness and unforgiveness, by how entitled I can be, and so many other uh, emotions that I know are just not positive and are not making my relationships better. And in some cases, what these thoughts do, what these emotions do, is they actually are building up barriers that are keeping me away from other people. But the practice of expressing our thankfulness to God can be an antidote to this. See, when we say thank you, we are acknowledging that we are the beneficiary of someone else's kindness and generosity, and we recognize that we're not self-made. And when we acknowledge God's kindness and generosity towards us, the result will be a growing humility and grace, a humility in us that results in a grace for others. And humility and grace will break down barriers that seem to easily creep up in relationships. You know, too often we are too busy to be present with other people. You know, we might be physically in the same space as other people, but we aren't really listening. We aren't really there. We aren't really participating in the relationship. And when that happens, that's a recipe for relational disaster. We know that. But the practice of gratitude trains us to be present in the moment. See, in order to give thanks, we need to be paying attention. We can't just be rushing through. We need to be paying attention and looking for the good things that exist in our lives and, and to get big or small and to give thanks for them. And so as we practice giving thanks to God, we find ourselves slowing down and looking around and taking notice of the good things that, that, are, that we have to be thankful for. And this practice of gratitude will find its way spilling over into the relationships that we have with other people. It just will. Now, there's a bunch of different ways that we can practice this. We can and we should. We can do this on a daily basis. This is where that little prayer that we have before we sit down and eat meals is a great practice. Although I will, I've said this before, I think it's probably the most disingenuous prayer that most of us pray any given day, right? It's the thing that you, that's getting between you and food most of the time. But the rhythm, the purpose for that, and the rhythm that exists in that is there's a built-in schedule, built-in prayer time where we can pause, and we, if we enter into that moment properly and thoughtfully, 
That's an opportunity to, to, to pause and to give thanks and to allow that moment of thanksgiving to shape our connection to God and the relationship that we have with others as well. There are other ways that we can do that, of course, in, 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 you know, just by paying attention and recognizing in the moment when something good happens, saying, God, thank you for that. Thank you for that person who showed up just then. Thank you for that act of kindness. Thank you for that beautiful tree that has all sorts of amazing, vibrant colors right now. There are things that we can do if we're just willing to stop in the moment and to, and to express our thanksgiving. Those can be just in the flow of life. But this morning, we want to do something as a part of our service uh, where we practice uh, Thanksgiving together. And I'm going to ask uh, my helpers to, to, to stand up. They have little cards like this. We're just going to, over the next couple moments, try to hand out a card like this to everybody. And what we want to do, just because it's a great way of applying what we're talking about this morning, is just to identify one, maybe two things that, you, that we are thankful for. And we'll just spend a couple moments doing that. And for those folks who are watching at home, if you, you can do this at home, writing it, find a piece of paper, write a note in your phone, you can even write it in the chat. You know, what are you thankful for? For those of us at 82, we're handing out this little piece of paper and you have the choice to write something on it that you want to put, fold up and put in your pocket, That'd be, that's fine. But we think it'd be really kind of neat at the end of the service if we all walked out of here and we stuck these on the wall underneath the big West Heights sign. Um, and we collectively can look at all these things that we have, that we are thankful for, and as a sort of an act of worship this morning. Does everybody got a card here? If you don't have a card, you can put your hand up and one of our runners will help you out. But let's just spend the next just minute or two just reflecting on what is it that we have to be thankful for. <laughs> All right. Why don't we end our time, or end our, conclude our time this morning just with prayer? And uh, as we spend some time in prayer this morning, I'm going to just leave a space, and I invite you to hold that piece of paper in your hand. And to the, uh, when there's a little bit of quiet, just to, in the quiet of your heart, just to say, God, I'm thankful for, and then just, you know, spend a moment saying thankful for whatever you wrote down this morning. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, Scripture tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Lord, and we know that you are the giver of good things and that you bring things that are lovely and joyful into our lives, Lord, that you give hope and beauty. Lord, all the, the things that make life good, Lord, come from you. And so, Lord, we want to say thank you this morning for that. Thank you for the family that we have for the people that care for us even when we aren't really sure what we think of ourselves. Thank you for the friends who've been with us uh, and encourage us. Thank you for the places, that, the opportunities that we have to learn and to grow at school and at work, Lord. Thank you for, for the tasks that are a part of our lives that give our lives meaning, whether they be things that we get paid for or the volunteer opportunities we have. Lord, thank you for giving us gifts and abilities that we can use Lord, thank you for, for providing for our needs, Lord, and meeting, meeting us in those moments when life is hard. Lord, thank you for the things that just make our hearts sing and, and just make us want to jump up and down in, 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 in excitement, God. Thank you for the gift of new birth, new life. 
And Lord, we even thank you for the changing of seasons and how in this, in this change that we are currently experiencing, Lord, we will, yes, say goodbye to the warmth and the sun, but Lord, we get to look forward to celebrations and, and, and Christmas, Lord, and there's so much good stuff to anticipate, and Lord, we want to give you thanks for that. Lord, this morning we've spent a few moments just writing down some things that we are personally thankful for. And so, God, in the quiet of this moment, we hold these before you, and Lord, we say thank you. Lord, for all these things and more, we give you thanks. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you give us new life. Thank you for Jesus, Lord, and, and for the fact that we can know you because of what he has done for us, Lord. And thank you for this church community and for the opportunities that are before us, Lord. Lord, as we go into the week that is ahead, would you uh, inspire us to make thankfulness just a part of our daily routines, Lord? And in that, uh, in our experiences of giving thanks, Lord, would we meet you in new and fresh ways? In your name we pray. Amen.